Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. So we know at this stage, Conan, we've had two days to calm down. So this was announced on Tuesday. We know that now there are going to be no supporters. Instead of potentially getting them increased, which most GA fans were hoping for, and considering the size of all the county grounds and the social distancing that ca- measures that could be put in place and how safely supporters could be in the ground. Outside the ground seems to be where the the Nefet and the government are a little bit worried, but we'll get to that um, in a little while. So there's no supporters um, at the GA grounds. GA completely blindsided by this, Conan, given no pre-warning, um, and they reacted pretty strongly on Tuesday night. Following this evening's unexpected announcement, the GA invites Dr. Ronan Glynn and Nefet to present the empirical evidence which informed the requirement for the association to curtail its activities. Like, I mean, there's been some criticism of the GEA for, for that statement, the cheek of them, you know, summoning the chief medical officer and all this kind of stuff. I don't see a problem with it. The frustration there, the GEA is on its knees, county boards are on its knees, would not being able to get any income in. The measures that they've put in place, I don't see any criticism of it. Like, I mean, they're looking for some sort of proof to help supporters and help them understand why this has happened. What's, what's wrong with that? Like, I think it would be wrong if you weren't asking a question or looking to have a conversation about it. And remember, like Neffet are putting forward recommendations. They're not making the decisions. The government are. So yeah. why aren't the sporting bodies in on these meetings when we're all making decisions? Like the government are just taking what Neffet are saying, granted, like they're the experts, and then they're just wholesaling closing down fans going anywhere so why like i saw the fai like released a statement uh the same night the ga did but theirs was just very immediately adjusting to the new the new restrictions like they didn't question anything they didn't they just said here's what's happening now in line with government guidelines and for me i was just really happy as a ga person that at least they're asking a question can we sit down and talk about this can we get evidence and yeah i'm sure we get into it if we had evidence people would be a lot a lot happier well, well that's the thing and like i mean uh, there is an argument to say why are they pulling in dr ronan or dr ronan glenn why not the t-shock you know he the, it, it's the cabinet that decided on these restrictions not nefet nefet are the medical um experts and you know what doctors are like they're conservative by nature and like i mean ronan glenn is a ga man um, he's played underage for Clare Galway and his brothers have played for the club and he his family is steeped in the GA. So he knows, 
exactly what he's dealing with here, which makes it a little bit, um, you know, more of a head scratcher. And he released a video last night. Apparently, he was trying to explain himself. And he, for me, I was none the wiser after hearing it. He was saying, we know there's clusters associated to, to sporting activity. Sporting activity is very broad. What about the GEA? You know, and what clusters? What are we talking about? There's GEA's, GEA clubs shutting down over one case all over the country. Like the, the reason the GEA is rightly annoyed about this is that they have been the most conservative out of any sporting organization. Like they were given the go ahead to open up all their grounds by the government, I think it was on June the 9th, and they waited until the middle of July. Like I've been lynching them here about how they're being so careful. Like, I mean, GEA clubs, like if anything, Port Leash is to go by, like Car Healy arrived back from London, um, I think it was three weeks ago now, and Port Leash made him sit out his 14 days quarantine. Like the, this is Car Healy, a club legend. And I think a lot of people need to take personal responsibility. Car wanted to come back training, would have known where he came from. And the message from Port Leash was like, we've done everything right up until now you're sitting out your 14 days like GA clubs are being incredibly careful they've all COVID um, officers like I mean th there's been no outbreaks that anybody knows that's been put out in the, in the public domain around uh, training around GA matches and I think this is why the GA is feeling really really hard done by al along with the, the financial implications of these crowds being being banned you mentioned your criticism of the GA at the start, and sure, like me, and you had plenty of arguments because I was a wee bit more conservative as well. But like, I'm actually fed. I'm getting really pissed off like this idea, you know, that we should just be just be happy over that, happy that there's there's sport because, like, number one, and I know every sporting body is affected, but the GA is more than just the players. That's the whole reason for the GA. It's like everybody's yeah. involved in it, and without the people there, like it's it's lesser than. I know the players are the most important, but like. I've been cautious coming into all this. So is the GA. And if this was a case where everything everything had to shut down, then I'd just accept that. But it's yeah. not. It's like they're, they're trying to limit social circles and they're targeting areas that I think won't have a significant impact. Like, you know, so it's just like those inconsistencies and the lack of real action and real problem areas, it's just, it's too hard to swallow. And, like, you know, Ronan Glynn, you mentioned him coming out yesterday and he tried to explain a bit more some of the reasons, but I thought there were, there were more questions because... He went through some of the clusters. He talked about the, the community transmissions, but then he lumped watching sport in with other social engagements, house parties, car sharing. Like that's a, that's a quote from him. And like watching a game at the side of the pitch is not the same as going to a house party. It doesn't automatically mean you're at a house party four no. hours later. Like, you no. know? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely silly. And here's another thing. Like if they actually communicated with the GEA, the GEA is huge. Like, I mean, it's at, it's at the center of most communities. Like it's massive, 500,000 members. And like, I mean, that's just paid up members. A lot of people involved in clubs might even pay their membership um, if I'm anything to go by. Um, I think I'm still getting a letter about mine this year, but like, I mean, uh, uh, that's it'll it'll have to be paid. But at the same time, it's, it's huge. And if politically, it's such a, an own goal. And like Micheál Martin is, is a lot of politicians attach themselves to sport when they're not really at all because politically it looks good and stuff. But like, I mean, you have to look at it. If Nefet and the government said to the GEA, we're concerned about supporters congregating outside, like, what can you do to make this safer? Yeah. We know they're safe inside the grounds. Your stadiums are huge. What can you do to make this safer outside the grounds? Every club is a COVID officer. Like, how hard would it be to have a COVID officer at the turnstiles and move people on after the game? Disperse them, if that's the issue. And it's only it's only about 120 people in a huge stadium. We've talked about this before, Colin. It's a nothing argument as far as I'm concerned. And it's easily fixed. If that's your issue with before and after and turnstiles, have a COVID officer say, lads, come on now, move on. You know yourselves now, lads, these are the rules. And, and you know, there's, you know, this is not an unfixable problem. Like, this is the problem. How did GA have just been lumped on this without even being given an opportunity to say, we can actually, we can fix this little issue you have with that easily? Bang on. Because, you know, I heard someone saying, uh, well, if there's evidence of transmission because of car sharing, then, then that's the end of the argument. It's not because, like, teams will still share cars. Like, me and you can share a car to go to a pub or a restaurant or, or to yeah. like an airport. But, like, you know, can we can we target that event a bit more specifically if that's really the problem? Like, you know, face masks, one family per car, whatever you want to do. Like, as you said, 120 people watching a game. Like, it's not relevant to always to uh, sharing a car or a house party or whatever, whatever it is they're concerned about. And... 
this I just this lying down and bowing down, I just find it I find it incredible because like the, the contradictions, I'm sure we'll go through them, but like, you know, the schools, the cinemas, the pubs, like people will go into a pub now and watch the game instead of standing on the side of the pitch. And you know, we're told that's all right because because measures are put in place, but can we not put proper measures in place for sport? Like, if yeah. you don't know what sport, it's actually easier to put proper measures in place. 140 meters by what is it, 90? That's a GA yeah. pitch. You've got loads of room. Leinster GA uh, chairman Pat Tehan, he was um, talking during the week. He says, as an organisation, we had looked to meet NEFET before any new measures were brought in. And we're disappointed that this didn't take place because if it had, some of this confusion wouldn't be out there. Couldn't agree with that more. Why are they not meeting the GEA? Like, I mean, I've never seen such a reaction from the grassroots to something like this. It's just completely unfair. Now, Pat Tehan continues, what people might not know, about four weeks ago, we put forward a detailed document to NEFET about what we were looking for, uh, what uh, was that grounds with a capacity over 5,000 be treated differently. Take a more park in Port Leash, for example. You could have you could have put in six pods around the stadium and you could segregate people into different pods. It means people could come in different entrances and leave through different exits. And we've said this on the show as well. These grounds are so big, you could fit 200, 200, at least four 200s on, on, at, at, the, at the two sides uh, separated at, at both ends, they're that big, and have them coming in and out different exits and have COVID officers outside. If anything, there should be an argument for making this, uh, increasing this capacity, not um, completely banning it. Like, I mean, the Minister for Health, this Donnelly lad last night, did you see him on Virgin News? Oh, he's, comparing, he's, he's comparing opening up the schools. And this is the thing, sometimes you talk about the schools reopening, and there's nobody here questioning that education is more important than sport. But sometimes you wonder, why is it always seen as more important than sport? Sport is incredibly important from, you know, a fitness and mental health uh, perspective, which, you know, are kind of maybe, you know, not seen as important as other, you know, sectors of society. But he was on comparing the schools reopening. He says the schools are a controlled environment. You know, like going to a GA match isn't controlled, like having people over to your house isn't controlled, like we're all children. Mm. And then starts comparing uh, going to school to playing sport and children bouncing on a trampoline. Like, I mean, you have to, you ha honestly, you have to wonder about the people who are making these decisions. They were flagged about the meat factories. They were flagged about the direct provision. They were flagged about nursing homes, all happening in other countries. We're all being put, punished for their failures. There's no roadmap. There's no plan. Are we going into lockdown trying to get rid of the virus or are we going to live beside it? We're the only economy that I can see in Europe that hasn't fully opened up. We've been wishy-washy, tiptoeing into doing it, and now we're going back. Are we even going back phases anymore? At least under Varadkar, we had four or five phases and you move back one if we didn't reach our targets. Now certain sectors are moving back one and others are allowed to stay open and everybody's confused and everybody's pissed off. And the, the final straw, as far as I'm concerned, has been the GEA supporters being shafted and support sports supporters in general being shafted for failures of the government wishy-washy like you said it like that that's probably the most frustrating thing and the, the most unfair thing of it all because the, the whole way along under this new government they haven't just made a decision they haven't just come out and said this is what we're doing there's a lot of words like advise and we're asking people to and it's like is that is that the rule then is it mandatory and then that's where that's where liberties are taken that's where people people drop their guard because they're not being told explicitly this is what you have to do and <laughs> the Stephen Donnelly thing was was a joke like that that was used like that that was the final straw for me this is the minister for health he's he's on talking about a risk reward and I get that like you have to live a little bit and there's going to be a bit of a risk but he's comparing like contracting the coronavirus to bouncing up and down on a trampoline like that was Buchanan this living with the risk there's a risk to everything that argument directly contradicts the sporting exactly. one you know what I mean? There's no consistency to any of this. Because that same argument can be used for letting a few people stand around a pitch to watch a game. That's why yeah. it's so stupid. Yeah, exactly. So there's no consistency. His full argument for the schools contradicts the, the argument for sport. And it's just getting to the point where we're actually sick of it. The GEA has written to NEFET um, and the government to get clarification on whether parents can actually 
drop their children's off, children off at a match and watch their child. Like the GEA is to suggest to the government that one parent or guardian should be given permission to attend underage games where they consider it necessary for the welfare of their own child. Like, I mean, is that not a no-brainer or not? There is no way I'm going to be letting off uh, my child to a match and not standing and watching it, like, I mean, separate from other people. This is just, it's farcical, really. It's just infuriating. Um, it's caused confusion and child protection concerns in a number of counties at underage games um, in Dublin and Kerry for yesterday were, were already set aside. Like, I mean, the GA have told clubs that no more than 40 team personnel, um, that's including coaches, backroom officials, medical personnel, can go into games at the moment. So you're looking at like the 80 pretty much that was already there, you know, that is directly associated, mm. the 30 panel and then 10 extras, selectors, managers, that's all that's going to be allowed. So like, I mean, there is definitely confusion regarding um, children and there's definitely also confusion. Like, I mean, there's 30 allowed at a match but only 15 allowed training. Like, yeah, think about this. Like, I mean, gee, I honestly, it's so dumb that you really have to wonder. Like, uh, you really have to wonder what these people were talking about for three hours in that meeting. Wouldn't you love to have been a fly on the wall? Like, I mean, you know, and apparently Varadkar had a go at Michal Martin for not having a subcommittee meeting with Nefet to trash these things out before the cabinet meeting. And he's saying this was leaked. He's saying to Michal Martin, if this is the way you do business, we won't be doing business for much longer. And to me, looking from the outside without, without being too political, it looks almost like that Michal Martin is not very professional in the way he do, does things. I, I thought he came out quite defensive yesterday as well from the very start. Like, you know, as if he is being questioned maybe from within and just feeling that pressure from outside. And it was just the wrong tone to, to start off with when you're, especially when you're asking people to disrupt their lives again. And like, yeah, like the, those inconsistencies as well are like, you know, that, that's why it gets really hard to just sort of accept it. Like you said, 30 people are ready to play in a match. So 31, the referee will be there, but only 15 trained. Like, and it seemed to me like they hadn't even thought through that eventuality. Like, and yeah. I hate that when it's not all thought through. Like, and they got asked then straight away when they said, you know, outdoor training can have groups of no more than 15. And then the first question was, what about sport? And it was sport will yeah. go ahead as normal. I was like, well, and, surely you and, know that's the contradiction. Yeah. And I, I saw Donnelly was on primetime later on Tuesday night and he, he was there, like he was interviewed for maybe 10, 10 minutes and he was interviewed about every restriction and sport, sport wasn't even mentioned. Yeah. I actually think sport to some of these political people is such an irrelevance that it's not even like this sport thing could have been just something thrown in at the end of the three hours. Ah, look, yeah, well, Neffet said that there's some issues. I said, look, we'll just ban. It might have been just, uh, uh, everybody in favour, put your hand up and that's it. Like, I, I wouldn't say it was trashed out or actually thought of in any sort of detail. Like from, from the looks of it, we know about all the contradictions. You've mentioned it. Like, I mean, mass. Ma what, what age profile of people go to mass? <laughs> Old people. Right. So you're allowed 50 old people into a church and you think old people gossips like they are and aren't outside congregating outside mass and talking about the news of the week. Of course they are. Nonsense. So you're treating adults like children. You can play football, but you can't watch it. You can eat in pubs, um, but not have Sunday lunch with your parents and siblings. The gas thing is, is that you can actually go into a pub order a pizza, drink five pints with strangers around. And we know that inside is is fairly well um, distanced, but not sm smoking outside, you're just standing beside somebody. And you can watch that match on a, on, on TG Cahar on, on a, or on RT, but you can't go up into the fresh air and watch it. <laughs> like, I mean, think about this. It's just so, so bizarre. You can go to a wedding with 49 other strangers, but you can't have a barbecue with your neighbours who you know who where they've been and what, what they've been doing all week. And you can send the children to school, but you can't go to work. Like the school one, like again, we're not comparing education. is very, very important. And most people would be in agreement. But from a safety point of view, if we're talking about from a safety point of view, school is very, very, very dangerous. You know, like because children want social distance, no matter how you know, well, the teachers are trying to police it because by nature, children are just jumping on each other. And like, I mean, it's very, very dangerous to schools opening. So if you want to be consistent here, 
And this is the problem is they're not being consistent. If you want to roll back on sport and say these, this is seeping into the community, well, then school is absolutely the wrong thing to do. Are we going to go into a full lockdown, try to get rid of the virus? Then at least that's a direction. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in agreement with that, but I'd prefer it than all this wishy-washy stuff. Or are we just going to open up society and start treating adults like adults? And old people, instead of telling them to restrict their movements, old people aren't stupid. They know there's a virus out there. They are restricting their movements anyways. You know, like treat adults. Like the, mm. the most frustrating thing about this is we never opened everything up. Even if you opened everything up like Spain and France and Germany, I have to roll back on something. Then you could kind of accept that a little bit more. But we never even got there. We've always just we've been just terrified of the smallest little thing. We've ignored the meat factories. We've ignored the direct provision. And now we're all suffering because the government have got it ourselves. And to add insult to injury, Conan, here's the last one I have on the list here before we move off this. The, I nearly fell off my chair when I read this. The Department of Arts has confirmed that cinemas, galleries and theatres can continue to operate with 50 people indoors and 200 outdoors as long as appropriate measures are in place. They are given the opportunity of putting measures in place. Sport is not. Please explain that one to me. Like, I mean, this is just, uh, honestly, this government have lost the public completely. And like, I mean, I genuinely believe that now that they've lost it. They have. And actually, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Peter Lund, you know, the behavioral scientist, and he said uh, there was a study. If you want people to comply for the, for the public good of a particular behavior, if they somehow feel that they're being asked, like what they're being asked is unfair, then like they'll reduce their compliance, even if that's a cost to themselves, because it's almost like a f- form of protest. And if they yeah. feel like what they're being asked is unfair, they will no longer go along with it. And at the time when everything was being shut down, obviously nobody wants to go back into a, a complete lockdown, but when everything was being shut down, everybody was on board, everybody was complying. You didn't want to be the one to step outside of that that sort of the social norm, I suppose. But but now it's like it's like they're attacking they're attacking the virus where where the virus isn't, or like you were certainly yeah. not as, as much cases and I don't know. It's 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 very it's very deflating and like you know psychologically and physically like you know from from a from a virus standpoint like physically surely it's good to be outside and you know and having people in the fresh air in their heads watching a game like that that was a great thing for the country even if it was only 120 people and it's been taken away and it doesn't seem like it's fair that it's taken away. No, and it's in, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Leash Kildare and Offaly, um, because they're they're meeting on that today. Um, about lifting those restrictions. Leash and Offaly have had very few cases. They're well, they're down the list. They're behind the likes of Clare and Limerick and Tipperary now. Um, whether their theirs will be lifted, Kildare have gone the other way. So I have no doubt Neffet will take credit for fixing Leash and Offaly uh, because of the restrictions, and they'll blame the they'll blame the public and the GA and Sport and Kildare or something like that. Like that seems to be the way they're doing it because the restrictions have had zero effect on Kildare um, in the two weeks, and in Leash and Offaly. Leash was correcting itself anyway. It wasn't a big outbreak and they, they seem to be going OK. So it'll be interesting to see how they'll try to take credit for Leash and Offaly. But, you know, they won't be able to, they, you know, the opposite will be for Kildare. So it'll be interesting to see how politically they're going to kind of wriggle out of this one. Um, but we'll we'll wait and see that later on. Ulster GEA is where it's at, uh, Conan. 400 still at matches up there. So there, the chief executive Ulster GEA, Brian McAvoy, said at the minute we'll continue as we have until instructed otherwise. We've imposed our own restrictions restrictions depending on the size of the venue and how well people can social distance. So that can be between 400 or 200 to 400 spectators. We've received advice from authorities that some venues can hold many more, but we're responsibly self-regulating. Very sensible stuff. Like, I mean, we've imposed our own restrictions depending on the size of the venue. So they let 200 in maybe to a small GA ground and then 400 into the county grounds. That seems perfectly logical. And I, I think everybody in the Republic would more would snap your hand off for that kind of, uh, you know, sensible kind of uh, management. Yeah, but like that's a good example of the the madness of of this whole thing of what's happening in the Irish government. Like you know, if you're in Donegal or Monaghan, for example, like you're still in Ulster, but you know you're not allowed to have anybody at the game, and you go a mile down the road in some cases, you're across the border, and it's everything's fine up there. It's just I I get that it's two it's two separate governments running it, but we're like right beside each other, and like you know, one government says it's fine, the other one says it's not, and. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm getting very very upset. The only the only bright spark I can see with this is maybe later in the year we'll have a GA championship up in the six counties, and that'll be a a well deserved break for the Ulster people. 
Fettle bit the all Ireland. I'm just, I'm just frustrated. I'm frustrated that supporters are not being allowed in. But I'm, I'm, the, I'm more annoyed about the pure stupidity of it. Do you know what I mean? That's what's frustrating me more, and the lack of clarity and the lack of, um, you know, detail and and just the lack of transparency really about helping us to understand where you came to this reason. And we'll be completely understandable if we've got you know, good reason for it. But at the moment, we don't see good reason for it. And that's where the frustration is coming from. The inter-county season looks in big trouble now, Conan. Uh, John Prenty was saying he's the Connacht, um, he's Connacht PRO, isn't he? I just have his name down here. Yeah, he is. He, 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 I'm pretty sure he is. He said, if it's going to be 500, this is talking about the crowds. If it's going to be 500, I don't know if it'd be worth having any crowds. Um, when he's talking about the limited attendance, he says, uh, because you see the hassle clubs have with the 200 limit. So what if you have Mayo and Galway in the Connacht final and there's only 500 tickets? It would be easier to have nobody. I don't get that attitude. It would be better to have 500. But I think the way this is going, Conan, I think Intercounty will looks like it could be behind closed doors because when the schools reopen, this thing's going to kick off. We know that. And like, I mean, there's no, in, in my mind, there's no doubt about that. I think the inter-county season will go behind closed doors. Then it's going to be a complete loss maker because of the cost to county boards preparing teams and getting nothing back out of it. The GA getting nothing back out of it. What is the point of the inter-county season? Should we just play provincial club um, and club All-Ireland and finish up at the end of November and have no inter-county this year and finish the club straight out? I think financially, with no crowds, that's probably what we're looking at. At the minute, it seems that way. The only thing I'll say is that, like, throughout the last five months, is that this has all moved so fast in every different direction. Like, you know, a week seems like such a long time, and you can come full circle and you're thinking in that time. But, like, the inter county season wouldn't be taking place until November, like the, like the very end of October. So, you're yeah. still a good six, or sorry, you're still a good two and a half months out from that. So, 10 weeks or whatever. Um, do you know it could change by then and I know like a lot of like professional football and stuff they're looking at trying to get crowds back in and they're talking about September October November they're, they're looking to see what they can do basically but I, I agree like I, I remember saying this at the time that like, there's no real point there's no real incentive for the GA to put this on if they're not going to make any money out of it and that's where they make most of their money but I'd say they're definitely not going to make a decision because that's a uh, like, it's yeah. such a long time away. Anyway. Oh, no, I, I understand it, but I don't think they, they won't be making a decision, but sh- if, if the GA have any brains now, they'll have a contingency plan and they will be working in the background what happens when they, like, they need to be, they need to look forward and not, not be like the government and that Eamon Ryan saying we got caught off guard. Imagine getting caught off guard. <laughs> imagine, imagine, you know, the leader of the Green Party saying we got caught off guard and Donnelly pretty much saying the same thing, that they got caught off guard. Caught off guard? Everybody's been talking about potential spikes and stuff like that. And like, I mean, apparently now the tracing and testing has been is nowhere near what it what it should have been. And doctors and different medical um, professionals went to other departments when they thought everything was OK. Like, I mean, ah, this is just complete incompetence as far as I'm concerned. But that's my point, that the GEA should definitely have this working away in the background, that when that decision, you know, needs to be yeah. made in October, that that we have, you know, that we have something that we can work forward with. Well, what I think the GA should do, and this is like a good way of trying to preserve money, like they'll take they'll take a hit in, in the long, or sorry, in the short term, whilst there's still no inter-county championship. But say like there's not going to be any crowds November, December, whatever it is, I would just keep pushing the championship back. So then you could start that in February. The 2020 championship starts in February. Get rid of the league because you're like it's not a big money maker for them anyway. Maybe TV wise it is, but the championship's bigger. And then have the no, the club people won't like this, but like look at having the inter county season 2021 or the championship later in the year again. So you have two championships in the one year. Just keep knocking it back so you're not losing it. And then most importantly, the counties and the clubs aren't losing the money that 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 will generate. Right, right, yeah, but I say you'd be constantly chasing your tail then, you know, maybe pushing it back. But look, it, it definitely is an option for them. But there's talk now that this split season is going to happen. So the, the, the G officials are going to co- or will come back to the task force in two weeks. This uh, task force committee, um, they had the... Yesterday evening, they had that fixtures task force meeting. Um, this is on the back of the GPA's um, proposal that the intercounty season be played off from February until the end of July, 23 weeks, and then clubs start in August. Um, there's huge support for this, uh, Conan, with the fixtures task force meeting. Um, the only thing that um, is up for debate is whether there's a special Congress at the end of this year to bring it in for next year 
or we go next year with our same, you know, the same structure as this year and we bring it in for 2022. That's hugely positive. Like, I mean, it's hugely, hugely positive that the intercounty season will be condensed for players. I would say that will result in the National League becoming the championship. Like, it seems the only logical thing to do in 23 weeks. Having a league as it is now and then a championship might be a little bit um, harder to do. But it'll be interesting to see the t- what the fixtures task force come up with in fitting the championship in or fitting a season into 23 weeks. Um, John Horan's behind this. Um, like I said, the fixtures task force meeting is behind it. And other prominent GA officials are keen to see the the season split um, next year. So the only thing up for debate, this is going to happen. It's just a matter of whether it happens next year or the year after. This is what people have been campaigning for for years and years and years. And it's kind of slipping under the radar here. This is massive. And it doesn't seem like news because of the whole kind of, you know, Ferrari around the, the, the around the, the supporters getting into grounds. Mm, and there's a bit of a conflict of interest there as well, though, isn't there? Like with, with regards to making it in 2021, because John Horn obviously wants his Talton Cup proposal to come through. And like, it looks like that. Well, I wouldn't get knocked in the head, but like that. No, I think that I think that the the B Championship has to be part of and that was the remit for the fixtures task force. A B Championship has to be part of 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 any championship structure. Yeah, so then I suppose you could still go ahead and do it. And we've seen now, like, I think that's a frustrating thing from all our point of views that the GA, when they had to act, they acted quick and they were able to split the championships the way they've done it here. I can just imagine somebody in the CPA having a heart attack now when they hear me proposing two inter-county championships in the one year. <laughs> in other news then, this is the last bit of news because, it ha- like I said, it has been dominated this week, is that Niall Carew has been uh, appointed as the Carlos new manager. Um, so he's after getting two years um, in charge of Carlo is this year counted as a year I'm not sure about that now like I mean um, we, ha- we have to see so this year is going to be a very short year so he's this year and next year so like one and a, one and a third uh, year because he's already missed many five league games he's getting the last two um, league games so maybe is it this year and two more I'm not too sure but his coach is our very own uh, Ger Brennan and he joins us on the line now how's it going Ger? Not too bad Wally not too bad how are you? All good, all good. I hope this appointment doesn't affect your position on the GEA hour now. Uh, <laughs> well, look, at, uh, I, I'll, uh, I might have a bit of extra insight now that uh, <laughs> I'm actively involved in a, in a, in a county setup, but uh, maybe it'll add a bit more value to the GEA hour and you get a couple more listeners. Yeah, whatever you do, don't tell Niall Carew you're doing it. So just keep this on the down low, right? No bother, no bother. <laughs> <laughs> so come here. This is this is uh, it's it's a very strange appointment, really, Jerry. In the fact that you're coming in mid-season, which in soccer it's not unusual. In GEA, it's very unusual. No, it is. It, it's it's look at it. It's a foes um, throughout the country. Everything that people have been experiencing the last few months is is, is uh, it's obviously all new. And and um, getting back to Gaelic. Games, uh, a match has taken place over the last whatever four or five weeks, has been uh, obviously challenging as well for 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 club teams, um, and then to have an appointment like this where the Carlo Football Championships will will kind of run right up to the uh, the the last eight in in September uh, where you can play um, a club championship. There'll be very limited uh, prep time in in, in uh, getting the squad up and running, but. Um, um, from reading and and, and, and and listening to the uh conversations around Turk O'Brien stepping away, uh it looked as it was a a uh, a decision to give uh, a new management team an opportunity just to get to know the know the fellas uh, in as brief a time as will be available for us this year all going well, with the view of um uh being better prepared going into the national league then next year. But uh no, it's certainly um a strange one, all right. Yeah, so like, I mean, I suppose the two National League games, I think Carlo are kind of out of the promotion hunt, so you can properly get to know these two, the, the players in these two games without a huge amount of pressure on them. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and um, it, it, it's Sligo is, is due to be played the middle of October, uh, but then there's a boy against London because of the travel restrictions. So. Um, it'll it'll only be one game uh, really, and then it's 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 October the last weekend. Uh, sorry, it's awfully rather the last weekend of October, and and um, so I suppose we'll get an opportunity to have a look at what Offaly are doing in their uh, in their two last league games as well. But um, 
look at yeah, it'll it'll be a short, short kind of uh, sharp season with the with the uh, the squad. And again, if we can just get a very uh, simple, achievable game plan um, up and running for the uh, uh, the short season that we're going to have with the with the lads, that'll be uh, a bit of progress. But look, ultimately, you're looking towards uh, the next couple of seasons and and trying to get promotion now, Division Four of the Division Three. Right. So this this season isn't seen as one of your two years in charge. It's the it's next season and the year and the season after. This is just seen as a bo- kind of a like two two and a quarter seasons or two and a half seasons. Is that it? <laughs> Two and a quarter seasons, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, uh, again, very unusual and strange, as you you said at the outset there. But um, it it'll be a good chance, just to, a better opportunity to, to to get to know guys um, going into the national league when it does start in next February or that. So, and, yeah, and yeah, suppose, another two years on top of this then. Right, right, okay. And I suppose as a coach, you're saying keep things simple because you don't have enough time. You know, the Carlo players have been kind of programmed in one way under their former coach. Is there a temptation there just to continue on that for this year and start afresh? Or, you know, are, are you going to try and think of cha- changing things up? Well, I I I, I suppose to, to be authentic, uh, Wooly, as a, as, a, as a manager and as a coach, if you are simply uh, borrowing um, fully from from uh, a predecessor without um, endorsing it fully yourself, um, you 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 won't come across uh, particularly well. I I would say in your uh, coaching and your communication with players. Sure. But I think it's a case of uh, identifying the, the the positives in the uh, previous game plan, and I guess looking to integrate your own um, style of play um, with it, and and, and and make as as um, much as a positive impact as you can in, in the short season. That hopefully will be be ahead of us uh, with the view of um, a bigger body of work then um, going forward into next season. But. Uh, but yeah, you 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 wouldn't throw the the, the toys out with the bathwater in terms of um, how Carlo have uh, set up over the last couple of seasons. And in fairness, it, it has borne success. They got promoted from Division Four to Division Three for the first time um, in I think 31 two years. Uh, very unlucky not to stay in Division uh, Three. A couple of results, tight results, just kind of went against them. Um, and. Um, so what they were doing was 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 fruitful, um, but I would certainly look to uh, adjust and evolve and, and build on some of the good work that uh, had been had had been done by by Torek O'Brien and, and Stephen uh, Poacher uh, over yeah. the last four or five years. Um, and where where is your connection with Niall Carew? Where did you come across each other? So Niall, uh, when I was in Minute, Wooly Niall managed me for nearly three seasons, um, oh, right. playing Sigerson and. I have to say, have a lot of time for Niall um, from that experience, and, and and we've kept in touch over the years, and um, through my own playing career, and and we've just always had a very strong relationship there. But uh, Niall is a, again a super guy for anyone who's played under him at Clover County. Would would uh, attest to it, um, I'm sure. But uh, very much player 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 focused and. And obviously ambitious then as well uh, from his own uh, managerial uh, goals. So uh, yeah, I've just always been close to Noel Woolley and someone I trust and and, and uh, someone that um, so it's me starting out, um, I guess on an inter-county journey, whatever it may lead. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning an awful lot from him then as well and the few ideas then I have from my experience, at, I guess Dublin and colleges and county over the years um, uh, just to bring that to the table then as well We know the way you play football you're kind of like an on-field general so so it, you would look to me from the outside as being a natural fit to go into management and you're obviously something that you're you're trying to break into you're, you're managing Bray Emmett this year you beat Rat New which I'm sure you really enjoyed considering the shock he had down there a few years ago um, but that's something it's yeah. definitely something that you're building towards uh, Jerry. is like you know Increasing your experience and eventually intercounty management. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, Wally. That would uh, certainly be 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 down on my list of things to to do in the next uh, probably three to five years. Um, so obviously retiring from 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 Dublin after 2015 season and and going straight into UCD in in uh, head of Gaelic games there. It's, a lot of administration involved in, in the role as well. Um, 
Um, but I also stepped away from St. Vincent too. I know I'm back doing a small bit uh, there, but uh, you, you, you kind of miss the, the buzz of being fully immersed um, in one particular squad and trying to get the best out of guys. And obviously my teaching background then as well, working in all-boys school, um, the bit of crack that you have with lads and, and uh, trying to bring those guys on and develop them. It, it's something that I am, would feel that I'm good at. Uh, I'm in my... Um, elements when I'm in that kind of zone and, and trying to help uh, get the best out of people and um, and if I can I suppose substitute the word teaching and learning to, to kind of coaching and learning uh, not to be thrown in buzzwords or phrases but, but, but that's how I would see it that uh, you have a similar process as I would have in the classroom to how you would go about preparing a team and, and, and getting your session uh, up and running and have a very much kind of outcome orientated that uh, there's a bit of clarity um, as to why you're doing a particular drill or working on a particular skill and that guys can begin to see the um, impact that it will have on their individual performance and then that obviously feeds into the collective but I'm doing a lot of waffling here Wooly I don't know what you're asking me we'll come here we'll, move, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with Vincent's because was. I saw Jerry Brennan coming on as a late substitute I was comparing you to Conor McGregor on the show here here, here on Monday yeah. so uh, did they twist yeah. your arm how did this come about Brian Mullins come up uh, cap in hand at your front door no, well, I, I I rang Brian to be honest to ask well, could I come back, uh, and that's the truth of it. Um, the the um, I, I'm living close to Massey Quinn um, up in Port Marnock, and during, during the lockdown, just out for a couple of little runs and kickabouts here and there, and um, the bit of motivation and and and, and appetite just reappeared from from I don't know where, but. I guess given how short the season um, is, Woolly, and I was relatively minding myself and, and a, a bit of motivation was there, I, I said, you know, it'd be great to uh, get out, get kicking again, move with the club, and if I can add value in, in, to the training sessions and uh, support the bigger picture uh, in terms of what the team are trying to achieve and, 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 and help some of the younger guys, um, I felt it was a worthwhile um a phone call to make to Brian and um, and uh, yeah here I am we're in the quarter final against uh, Tim McCord Saturday week so um, just keeping the head down and training away for that but uh, no I was delighted to get a run to be honest against Clown Tarf and we obviously hadn't played in nearly two years so uh, it was great to get out there yeah, exactly. Well, listen, we'll keep our eye out for you. I'm sure that game will be on the television. It's one of the bigger um, quarterfinals in Dublin. And best of luck with Carla. I'm going to have nothing to give out about it with Carla now that poacher's gone and you're in. So, like, I mean, it's a coach that I didn't like um, being replaced by a coach that I do like. So there you go. That's uh, that's me giving out about Carla. God, Jared, thanks very much for taking the call. Last all, Woody. God bless. All right, great stuff from Jared. there. We will be back and we'll take a look ahead to the matches at the weekend. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay <laughs> that's great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you All right, so the matches to look out for um, Conan. On TG Cahar on Friday night, we have Austin Stacks and Dr. Croaks. And I was looking at this thinking, Austin Stacks, have they made a mistake here? Is that not supposed to be Ken Mayer? And of course, it isn't supposed to be Ken Mayer because that's the club, that is the other county final. And this is the divisional county championships that's starting. So this is the first round of their divisional county championships. So likes of East Kerry, um, David Clifford's East Kerry, who are the defending champions and favourites, they're entering the equation now. Um, Killarney Legion play Cairns or Rattleys is probably the biggest game of the first round outside of Austin Stacks and Dr. Croke. So this would be a great game um, on paper. Like, I mean, at the same time, like Austin Stacks have to play Ken Mayer. And I was trying to find out when is that county final going to go ahead? And apparently um, Austin Stacks and Ken Mayer have been told that that county final, Conan, is going to go ahead when both are out of the divisional county championship. So they've no idea when this county final is on. So if Austin Stacks or Ken Mayer make the county final of the divisional, the county final won't be on until after the inter-county championship. Isn't that desperate? Like, I mean, it's very, very messy down there. 
It is. I know, like, the, obviously, this is their priority, this it's one. It's the more important one, yeah. But, it, like, I didn't even think of that angle, because I was thinking, oh, that's fine. If they get oil the county, then they can just play the, the club final later on, and that's grand. But I forgot about the inter-county season coming in, and then pushing that right back. And remember last year, obviously, Austin Stacks had to go represent Munster, because they won the club the club final. So, it's uh, it's a real mess. This, this is a cracker game, though, Stacks and, Stacks and Crooks. It's such a... Such an appetising one, and Crooks being the the wounded animal that they are after the Kim Mary game, and and Kieran Dunhey apparently absolutely bullying boys in the full forward line again. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this. Yeah, no, definitely it'll be a good one um, for Friday night. But it'll be interesting to see actually if East Kerry win the county final again, there won't have been another club. Oh, there's no provincial championships. Well, okay, so say the oh, intercounty yeah. say the intercounty season is over is 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 um, cancelled, and you run off to provincial clubs. They would. The East Kerry couldn't represent Kerry, so you'd go to the club, the other club champions, which wouldn't have been played. So the, Kerry would have to make sure that Ken Mayer Austin Stacks game is played to see who represents Kerry. Anyways, like I said, it's it's a little bit messy. And then on Sunday, um, on Sunday they have Coola versus St Bridget's and Wexford. Um, county final between Shell Maliers and Navena. We'll get to that now in just a minute. Um, RTE on Saturday night, they're down in Clare for the Clare Hurling quarterfinals. Broadford versus Six Mile Bridge, Ballier versus Kilmally. Um, Ballier, Six Mile Bridge, and um, Cratlow, the three favourites for that one. Cratlow obviously have those issues, so they're not playing um, this weekend. I would have liked if. if uh, if RT had gone up to Mayo, Colin, to cover the Ballina versus Knockmore after Paul Ricohora's interview. And let's see, there could be a bit of bite in that one. Westport Castle Bar have a huge game in Mayo to see who tops that group. And if, if Briefy beats Charlestown, which they probably will, Westport or Castle Bar could go out, despite, you know, um, Westport winning and drawing the first two games. So that's a huge game, Westport Castle Bar. Ballina, Knockmore, two huge clubs in Mayo. Porrick O'Hora after throwing a little bit of trash talk into the mix. That's another uh, big game. So would have liked if if they had a, I suppose, RT from a financial point of view, it, it makes more sense just to go down to the one ground and do the double header, you know, rather than show one hurling somewhere and one football somewhere else. Does it really show you the value of trash talk? Because now, like, you're looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to this game, and it doesn't matter. Bal and Anne knock more are both yeah. three, but you, but you know that they're both going to be well up for it. Like, and and it's actually good that they both absolutely hammered the other two teams. So they're they're coming in and fine fettle. But according to Parik Horror, there's no way they're going to lose to anybody. So like, I'm I'm definitely I would be tuning in for this one. Yeah, no, definitely. That's uh, we're going we're going to look forward to that. Like I mentioned, the county final in Wexford. This is the first county final of the of the season. We know Wexford are running it off uh, pretty pretty quickly, and it's a novel final between Shell Maliers, like I said, and Navena. The first time these two teams have ever met each other um, in a county final. And to help us look ahead to this one, Wexford legend and Aulard de Bala manager Liam Dunn just joins us on the line. Um, Liam, I'm not sure how you're going to feel looking at this uh, county final. I'm sure you'll be thinking that you should have been in it yourself. Well, look, I mean, we had opportunities there, you know. Um, bitter pill to swallow, I suppose, a few days ago. Uh, like, we we led the game for 60 minutes. You know, I think Corey led the game for four minutes. We got caught in the fourth minute of injury time where Conor McDonald scored a point and, and they won the game and looked fair play to him. We had chances and opportunities to put him away and we didn't do it. And maybe just our game management at the end of it, you know, maybe cost us a little bit, but I couldn't fault the guys for effort. Um, they gave everything they had, and to be fair to Gory, like they they stuck at it there, and you know I think they've won three of their games so far this year by a point. Um, but look, a point wins a game, as you know well, Colm, and they got over the line, and fair play to them, and the best look to them there on Sunday. Yeah, it definitely is. Like I mean, I'm looking at the Wexford hurling championship from the outside, and it's very unpredictable now, Liam, isn't it? Whereas in years gone by, Owlart are, are nailed on for this all throughout my playing career, pretty much. Anyways, now you have Shell Maliers, you have Gorey, you have St Martins, you have St Anne's, you have a whole lot of new teams into the mix. That's right. You know, we were very fortunate there. It was in um, the early 2000s there that a team came along where you had two different groups of players probably within three or four years of one another that were exceptional hurlers and committed as well to the cause, to be fair. And, uh, you know, we were very successful. I think we contested 13 county finals there in 14 years at one stage and won 10 of them and lost three. But as you know well, 
you know, things have to change and age catches up on guys and different things. And, you know, at the same time, you can't go on forever. And we had our time. And, you know, over the last number of years, you know, St. Martins have, have came very strong. You know, the Annans were in the county final last year. Gorey won the county final in 2018. Shell Maliers won in 2014. So there is, it has leveled off big time there in Wexford now. And, you know, anybody can, can could win it down there. You know, every, yeah. every, there's about six, seven teams have a, have a chance now that can actually win it where, say, Owler dominated there for a number of years. Um, but that's not the case anymore now. Yeah, definitely. So you had a rebuilding job when you came back into Owler. You obviously managed them before, successfully before you took over Wexford. Uh, but they hadn't made the quarterfinals in the in the last two years. So you, you had... You had a difficult enough job, I suppose, coming back in. <laughs> it was difficult, all right. But <laughs> look, at I, I managed them. I, I, I heard with, had played in five county finals with the new group that were coming that time. We'd won three and we'd lost two. And Kevin Ryan was the manager then, and Kevin was moving on to Carlow inter county level that time. And and uh, I just walked straight into it that time, hadn't a clue what I was doing really, to be honest with you. But a lot of people at the time said you shouldn't do it. You'd be too close to the players and that now there that time, but. I took him over for three years in, in nine, ten, and eleven, and you know we won the county finals. It was the first time we'd ever won three in a row, and uh, just sort of try to change the mentality and you know to try and give Leinster a, you know the respect that it deserved, and with the team we had as well to knuckle down. And I told lads earlier in the year, the first year that if we won a county final, we would train the following morning after to get ready for a Leinster championship, and really? that's what we did. And, and, and um, down, down through the years, was was the Wexford Championship more of a, an aim for Owlert than the Leinster? Like, would they kind of tune out for Leinster a little bit? Well, look, we had won county finals before and um, we got beaten in the Leinster Club final in 94 and 95. And uh, we won, um, got beaten semi-final in 97. And, but I just felt that, you know, we needed to change things to try and give this one hell of a lash. And, and we did it as well, but... Look at, I was involved with two teams there that we got beaten in two Leinster club finals in a row and I stepped away then and moved on to Wexford and the boys kept winning county finals and we ended up losing four Leinster club finals in a row. And But look at, to be fair, there were tough pills to swallow. Uh, for whatever reasons, we were beaten by better teams and didn't perform on different days. And But they stuck at us and, you know, they came back and they won a Leinster club final afterwards. But, you know, said no. And appears to be some dead and extra time in a semi final. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But along the lines, Column, you know, we were meeting good teams as well. And that's as Gorey and the Shelmaliers and St. Martins have found out over the last number of years, like it's it's a minefield out there and it's not easy to get over these alley hails of this world and different teams as well. So yeah. but I always felt even though we didn't get to the Leinster Club final the first year in two thousand and nine, the year first year I managed the team. Uh, we went to extra time with Ballyhale Shamrocks and Wexford Park and they beat us by two points but I would always looking back now I would have felt that that was actually the year to the year to get it like you know to, to go the whole way really to be honest with you it, was, it didn't it didn't happen for different reasons Michael Fenley and Henry Shefflin and TJ Reid are different um, you know <laughs> that was a, yeah, that was a brilliant that was a brilliant Ballyhale team that was a better team than the one they have now sure, for God's sake that was that was an unbelievable team when they were doing battle with Port Humna at that time weren't they? Yeah they went all the way with Port Humna that year now but we were 11 1-11 to 4 points up at half time or before in the first half in that game like but you know Bally Hale they're what they are you know they, they're able to come back kick any team get goals at certain times before half time and unfortunately um, we lost by 2 points in extra time but again I couldn't fault the commitment and the effort out of these guys that I was getting that time and we tried to push it on again and we won championships the following two years and got the two Leinster Club finals after that with myself before I stepped away and but this is a new crew now you know um, I was involved with them last year and again Column Gary Moore stuck a line ball over the bar on the, in the fourth minute of injury time he couldn't believe it as well to draw the game and we went out and scored averages to get into the quarterfinals Right. Um, which was which was tough as well last year you know we had won the league down in Wexford for fourth year in a row but it was the championship was the one that we were wanting to perform in better so this year again to get cut in the fourth minute of injury time again Jeez, <laughs> yeah, right. sticking her. you know you, you, didn't, you, did, you didn't get off to a great start this year you conceded five goals and 19 points to say, was it St. Martins and Sean Murphy got a straight red card I would say you were thinking what the hell's happened here but you, you recovered brilliantly 
Yeah, well, look at the first round. You know, I looked on it differently, to be honest with you. Um, like we came back in June look, with the pandemic and everything that happened there and playing St. Martins, who were the favourites to win the championship. And, you know, there's a lot of young talent down there. John Myler was in over him this year as well, which is going to add yeah. to him as well. But we conceded, as you said, five goals, 19 points. We scored three goals in 16. Um, Sean got put off. Which, which was a very harsh decision to be honest with you, which he got rescinded afterwards. Um, but look at he, um, we, as I say, we we regrouped and knuckled down and and got back again after that. Yeah, your son Billy's on the team. How does that dynamic work? Are you harder on him trying to compensate for people thinking you're too easy on him? <laughs> well, not really. No, I mean it's um, he's found his own he's found his own place there. Now this year, really, you know, there was more consistency in his play and. Look, we lost so many players over the last year that um, in the club, which was unfortunate for different reasons. And other guys just had to stand up and and um, look at their representing your club. And for our guys, really, to get over the Slavon game in the group stage to get in to get into a quarter final, something we hadn't done for the two years was a huge monkey off the back for the team itself. And and from there, then we we pushed it on to play St Anne's, and you know, with a fantastic performance against St Anne's and beat them, and then. We put in another really good performance against Gorey, but unfortunately we came up short. Yeah. Like, I mean, you took, when you finished with Wexford, you took, was it a couple of years off? Because you'd obviously played um, 16 years as a player with Wexford, and then you were in with Tom Dempsey with the Miners, and then you were over Owlert, like we're talking about. Then you were five years with Wexford. You had the chance to to stop and breathe, I'm sure. No, and Lucas, um, the year I finished up then with Wexford, um, I was just the way it happened. Um, I was, was messy, wasn't another, it? I, I was looking to stay on another year. Yeah. Certain things happened there. You know, time moves on. And in hindsight, column it was the best thing that ever happened for me that I didn't stay on. And it was good for the team as well, to be honest with you. You know, because it was a tough gig there with Wexford for, for starting off, to be honest with you. Because, you know, Wexford were going really well with the football footballers. All Leinster finals, All Ireland semi finals, National League finals, there was the Lee Chins, Andrew Shores, Dermot O'Keefe, Lee Morgan McGovern, all these guys were in with the footballers. Nice, the football yeah. was the game down in Wexford, and you came in and you sort of had to start again, really. And from that juvenile team that I was involved in with Tom um, and, and the minor team, I brought 11 of those guys into the senior setup. And actually last year when they won the Leinster final, Sean Murphy sent me a photograph from the dressing room with seven of them that had played in the Leinster final last year at senior level that had been with me for those four years. So it was a nice photograph to get. Apart it's from what... Moore McGovern had the jersey tucked or had it inside out all right, which was a <laughs> photograph. <laughs> well, I, I saw a quote from Dermot O'Keefe actually, and we had him on the show, and we were talking about it um, after the one that Leinster, and he named checked you. He said, in fairness to Liam, uh, or this all started with Liam Dunn back in 2012. In fairness to Liam, he brought us on a hell of a long way in the five years that we had him. And like you know, I just that's kind of quote stuck out to me because it was the whole thing about Davy, and rightly so. You know, Davy gets so much of the limelight. It was very nice for Dermot O'Keefe, I think, as a player, to name check the work that you did. Oh, yeah, look at, I mean, I, Dermot, I had him on the county minor team and he was juvenile, you know, I, I knew all these fellas as well, but I knew myself coming into the Wexford setup. look at, I was wanting to win silverware and everything, call them to be honest with you, know, but certain people were saying to me, you know, Dean Griffin, Seamus Howland, Lord of Mercy on him, would have said to me, was former county chairman, uh, Leinster chairman, you know, he would have said to me, if you can leave Wexford in a, in a much better place than when you took it over, you've done a good job. But it was a rebuilding job again as well. Like, and um, I think that was one of the main reasons why Liam Griffin pursued me to take it on that time because I hadn't really any great call for it, to be honest with you, to take the Wexford job. I wanted to stay on with Owlert, but I took it on. But I suddenly realised uh, the massive job it was, to be honest with you. But you don't just, you're not just managing a team like you're, you're managing a business for the county board, to be honest with yeah. you, from sponsors to the whole group of, from physios to nutritionists to sports psychologists to S&Cs. There's just so much involved in all the world. It was really good for my own development as well, to be honest with you. I learned a huge amount and, you know, I look, at, look at, it's, it's out there and it's known. I mean, problems the players have and I was a player myself for 16 years at Wexford, but, you know, the pressure that's on players and, different things as regards from gambling to alcoholism to everything like you know it's just 
it's, it's out there and you have to deal with it and the pressure on players now is just phenomenal like but I wouldn't like I enjoyed the experience as well now you know but when it was over it was over and I was sort of when the dust settled I was happy to, that I that I was over Colin to be honest with you and yeah. it wasn't until the following February that I got a phone call from the chairman of the Ballantyre St. John's club up in Dublin uh, Ken Ahern asked me would I meet him in Dublin when I was working up there with Stafford Fuels and one day and when I met him he had three other stalwarts from Ballantyre and Sean Lane and Shane Cassery and and uh, Brian Sutton and the forum convinced me to get involved with Ballantyre St. John's who were in Division 2 of the league up there in Dublin and their aim was to get out of Division 2 to get into Division 1 in Dublin in the league and it was something that I hadn't planned on doing but I went up there for two years and had two two great years up there I really enjoyed it and I was sort of got the spring back in my step really to be honest with you to stay involved and we got back up to Division 1 in the second year and Barry Bowden beat us in the quarter final championship and um, but I really enjoyed that up there and it was a different sort of culture up there as well and it took me out of my comfort zone as well to see what way everything was run up in Dublin as well and then Howlert came calling we hadn't been in quarter finals and the team was starting to age and they were looking to change things and I came in and did that but that didn't all go down according to plan as well because when you're trying to do things differently maybe then fellas have been on the team for 12, 13, 14 years that really don't want to do what you're bringing in to do and they have their own ideas and things change and things happen and so, so I wasn't all playing sailing with Owlert as well now, to be honest I didn't realise you were over Ballantyre St John's so you've taken no real break from management I thought you took two years off do you notice the young lads now because I often hear it from managers and you see it up in Portlaoise that they have an answer for everything and they're different than to be more in my mould maybe than your mould if you know what I mean to be to take, maybe think they know it all kind of thing do you notice a difference with the younger players than maybe you know 10 years ago well as I found out with Owlert there, it wasn't the younger players that know it all, it was the older players that thought they, know, they knew it all, you know. Right, right. I had a few few stalwarts there that probably 10 county medals in, and a Leinster club medal in their back and they wouldn't hurl, on, hurl for me this year, you know. So you just had to get on without them. If they didn't want to do what you wanted to do, you you, you move it on. And um, looking at the young man's game as well and... But I wouldn't have found the younger players really. You just you have to adapt with it, Colin, to be honest with you. You know, times are changing and everything is changing and you know, you do things in your own time as well and it just doesn't work, you know. So you have to adapt with with change and try and deal with guys as well as best you can and, and give them an opportunity and I'd like to think that I give lots of fellas a fair opportunity in our develop this year and it certainly rewarded me, you know, over the course of the couple of months that we could go at it like and you know, I'm, I'm grateful to those fellas but um, but look at it, it's part of your life I suppose and you're involved in it and you try and do your best and it's your club and you try and do your best for it and, and sure like Wexford when I'm finished with our develop there whenever it is whether it's now or next year whenever it is I hope that I'm the after leaving it in a better place than when I took it over Exactly and are you, are you open to potentially manage another county or is that off off um, off off bounds? <laughs> I say, you're, the, you're the first man that's asked me that there in a very long time there now. And I, 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 I'd have no answer to that to be honest with you now. It's uh, not something I'd even think about to be honest with you. I, was, I suppose I got the feeling back last Sunday evening um, column and, and Monday morning on, on how bad a, a one point defeat really is but you know when you when you sit down and you're disappointed and everything and you look at what's happening in the country and the world at the moment there, it's just it's a reality check as well. Like that you should be delighted that we had the opportunity to get out in Wexford Park last Sunday evening and hurl against Gorey and give it your all and if you're good enough, you're good enough. And if you're not, you're not and it'll always be another day. But there's a lot more, you know, things going on in the world and in the country at the moment there that people have bigger problems than, than losing a county semi final by a point, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's that's true. Come here, who do you fancy in the final? Um, before I let you go, the it's the 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 can't be separated really. It's a very even game, is it? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a humdinger of a game. I have to say now, and and look at it. I give both I give both teams. I'll do a Tom Dempsey on it there. I might sit in the fence there a little bit, but <laughs> um, like you take Gory for instance, um, Colin Jack Cush, young Jack Cush is in the goal there. Son of Ger, the whole of Wexford there, and with yeah. myself there and good young goalkeeper there you know they've got defenders um, Owen Conroy the captain of Wexford under 21 team success along with Benny Travers who captained the team in 2018 but 
they've got a few sets of brothers there in the Dials and, and the Malloys and, and they're you know they're really good hurlers like to be fair to them all sprinkled all over the field and but they have a guy that plays left half back he's six foot three fine athlete of a man by the name of Jack Kelly young player as well and potentially if you know I know he was asked in by Davey a few years ago and he didn't commit to it but he's a guy that I think there should be everything done humanly possible to get him into the Wexford setup. Right. He's athletic, he's a really good hurler and you know when Gorey really needed a player to stand up last week against ourselves, he was the man that drove him on like in the second half. But and I suppose I haven't even mentioned Conor McDonald or Cahill Dunbar yet, like before you get to them. So they're a really strong, balanced team all over the field, like and you know, it wasn't a fluke that they won the county final two years ago and they're back in it again. But they're coming up against a dual team as well, like in the Shellmaliers, which have solely been able to concentrate on hurling this year so far. Uh, Simon Donoghue with their talismanus on the Wexford team, but you know Brian Malone. I, I know him. Yeah, Brian Malone there to change over from the football to the hurling there a few <laughs> years ago, and I met him twice, and he didn't come with me anyway. But I would have always picked him out as a, a really good hurler, and himself and his brother Glenn, you know, they're, they're really good players as well with the two passes. Would Brian Malone go back in on Conor McDonald? You'd imagine he'd have the physicality. I couldn't imagine Simon Donoghue being able for McDonald um, in the air, would he? Well, Lucas, it's I don't know. I, I don't. Know. You would not know what way they'll match up. Like they've got yeah. a right so far. In fairness, the shells have. You know, but you know they have a young player, two young players that I think are outstanding prospects. Not just for the shells, but for for Wexford as well. And young Conor Hearn that plays middle of the field, and there's a young guy by the name of Ross Bandle who takes the. He's the free taker. Oh yeah, full um, forward. Really, really good player now. This guy, speed as well. He's picked up a few injuries over the last two years. Just knocked him back a little bit. But and then they've got the, this guy by the name of Sean Keen Carroll that's coming in, getting scores for him. Tall, lanky guy, but good hurler. But it's a tough one to call, Colin. Be honest with you now, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a humdinger of a game because the two teams met in the group stages there yeah. a few weeks ago, and there was only a point in it. But if, if it's going to, like Corey won by a point, but if it's going to sway the other way, it'll be the loss of Owen Malai. He's a huge loss to Corey. He's picked up a crucial ligament in the quarter final of the championship. And if it comes down to the wire, it could be could be the factor that they could lose Corey the final, his loss, you know, when it comes to it. But if I had to stick my neck out, Conor McDonald is going to need to score a goal or two for Corey to win the game. And I think they might just win it by a point at the end again because they've won three games already by a point yeah. I see no reason why they won't win, the, won't win the county final by a point on Sunday but it's I'm really looking forward to it yeah you've made, made looking at it looking at it a little bit saying well we could have been there but we're not there yeah you've made me look forward to it as well I'm sure everybody else Liam and the great thing it's on television so you don't have to worry about not being able to go into it which is another argument here that well, we won't get it we won't get into now which uh, seems like a good one I'm sure everyone will be looking forward to it after that come here Liam thanks very much uh, for taking the call no problem at all Colm no problem thank you Christoph from Liam there we'll look forward to that one on Sunday and I'm, I should have said earlier that the Killarney Legion um, Kearns O'Ratley's game is on TG Cahar as well on Sunday so we have three games um, on Sunday I uh, didn't put in the, the Kerry match um, at the start of this section right we'll leave it there and we'll be back on Monday as usual and we'll take a look back at the weekend's action we'll talk to you then good luck well, when I started running I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go I said I should go and so it opened up we're running the small little fish out there so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken.